Thank you for downloading this podcast from CoracleOnline.com, Professional Development Specialists, for October 2010. I'm with Henry Samet for the second in a series of podcasts with Henry. This time he's going to be talking about the subject of containerization. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, James. Uh, I, I, I do hope you are, you are keeping well and looking forward to, to next week's award ceremony. Thank you very much. Looking forward to uh, the Marine Media Awards next week. Absolutely. Yesterday was an auspicious day as we went through a million downloads on shipping podcasts. Right, right. So it's I'm an sure exciting time. Yes, I'm sure that podcast deserves it to be in place, very, very <laughs> high up on the list. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, right. it's a pleasure to have you back on the podcast, and we're looking forward Thank to hearing about containerization. Yes, indeed, indeed. Containerization has brought a new dimension to international trade, enabling cargoes to move safely and efficiently from all corners of the world. Containers have increasingly gained market share in trade over the past 50 years, and now dominant in commerce, in particular with consumer goods sold on the high streets and in shopping malls. The obvious advantage in using a container to ship cargo is the efficiency a container provides in handling, thus keeping the cost of labor down to a minimum. Cargo, usually palletized at origin, is packed into the container by the shipper located inland, and unpacked upon arrival at the final destination by the consignee, whose place of business is in a remote village. In between these two locations, the container can be transported by rail to the port of loading, transshipped from a feeder ship to a mother vessel during the maritime voyage, and tracked by the final receiver to his warehouse. The cost of handling is very minimal. The risk of pilferage or breakage or loss is almost nil. The use of containers has changed the industry. Sailor ships are being built, ranging from large motherships. The largest on record is around 15,000 TEUs, to small feeder ships of around 1,000 TEUs. Dedicated berths and container parks replace sheds and warehouses. Portainer cranes, rail-mounted gantries, and reach stackers render traditional lifting equipment and cargo units redundant. Containers have enabled consumer goods to be shipped around the world weekly or more frequently by means of a relay service concept. For example, TV sets could be shipped from Busan to Lomi in Togo, situated in West Africa, on a mother vessel sailing from Asia to Europe weekly. The container is discharged from the mothership at a port in the West Mediterranean and connects with the feeder vessel employed on a West Med West Africa service. No handling of the TV sets per se is involved en route. Recent trading patterns of containers show raw, show raw materials being shipped from developing nations to India, China, Southeast Asia for manufacture. Fast-moving consumer goods are imported by Europe, USA, Canada, Australia, and various developing nations. Therefore, raw cotton in bales from Abidjan in West Africa is shipped to Jakarta, to be spun into yarn to manufacture a pair of jeans, which in turn could be exported to USA. Types of containers. Containers are made out of aluminium or steel. The obvious advantage with aluminium is that it is very lightweight. One disadvantage with aluminium is that it could be pierced and punctured easily. Therefore, 
pilferage of cargo from a container seems to be higher out of an aluminium rather than a steel container, which is much more robust. Sizes of containers. The most obvious and standard size is a 20 foot. It measures 20 feet. It's mainly used for general cargo, which is low in volume but high in weight. It's also used for small amounts of um, cargo. The most popular was a forward, which is double the size of a 20. Again, it's used for general cargo, mainly for lightweight goods. The reason behind this is that both 20 and 40 foot have the same payload. They more or less could take between 25 and 26 tons of cargo. Larger still than a 40 foot is a 40 foot high, high cube. It's still 40 feet, but it's a foot taller. That means it measures 9 foot 6 rather than the standard 8 foot 6. And again, this is used for high volume cargo. Next one in the series is a 45 foot unit. It measures 45 feet long and it's used for very lightweight cargo, very high volume cargo. The tested payload of a 45 foot is around 27 tons as well. Naturally, 45 feet containers are usually employed on the Asia-Europe trade or Asia-Pacific trade. We now talk about special equipment. Some cargo is meaning that it's too high for a container or it's too long for a container or perhaps too wide. One typical example is perhaps shipping a yacht. How can a yacht be shipped easily? A yacht is put on a cradle and the cradle is put on a container which has no sides or no uh, roof. Such a container is called a flat rack unit. Flat racks are therefore used for machinery and oversized cargoes. One obvious advantage with a flat rack is that it could be loaded upon very easily, either via the side of the container or via the top of the container. Flat racks are very strong units. A 20-foot standard flat rack has a tested payload of around 28 tons, whereas a 40-foot flat rack will have a payload ranging from 35 to about 45 tons. 40-foot flat racks, which are collapsible, are used as artificial twin decks on board cellular ships, which makes spray bulk cargo load upon them and lashed easily. Another type of container is an open top. An open top con container, as the name Im implies, has no roof. Usually, the roof is made out of tarpaulin. Open top containers are mainly used to load cargo from the roof of the container. As trade evolved, Lots of frozen goods had to be shipped around, around the world. Nowadays in Europe, we can eat fruit out of season. We can get all sorts of frozen foods and frozen prawns from all corners of the world. These are shipped in a container which is capable of refrigerating cargo, and it's called a refer unit. The most standard refer units are very similar to our freezer at, at home. They're suitable for shipments of fish, meat, poultry. However, sophistication has been introduced into containerization. Some containers are now equipped with data loggers and temperature probes, which, enable to contain, which enables the container to maintain the temperature precisely as to what is needed for this journey. Therefore, a container such as a super freezer could chill cargo down to minus 16 degrees Celsius. A super freezer will be ideal for shipment of fresh tuna which is used in the Japanese market to make sushi. Other type of sophisticated reefer containers can control the atmosphere. Therefore, 
The air inside the container is slightly similar to the air that we are breathing at the moment. It has a higher nitrogen percentage content, which makes fruit go dormant. Therefore, fruit will stop ripening when inside the container, and they'll start ripening again as soon as they're unpacked from the container. This gives the obvious advantage that fruit could be harvested right at the very latest stage at origin. The fruit will go dormant on the high seas, and it will come back to life on the supermarket shelf. Another type of container is called a tank container. A tank container is virtually a flat rack with a tank on it. Tank containers have evolved to develop to carry all sorts of liquids, ranging from chemicals to vegetable oils. Some tank containers have facilities to keep cargo slightly warmer to make sure the liquid does not go into a bulk. Another type of container, quite specialist in itself, is called the high ventilated con container. A high vent, as we call it, has lots of slats at the top of the container, very close to the roof. The reason behind this is to allow an airflow. That means air inside the container migrates into the ambient. High vents are usually used for cargo which are hydroscopic. That means cargo which, has a, which have moisture content in them, such as cocoa beans. Cocoa beans shipped from West Africa to North Europe or from West Africa to U.S. Sea's coast could be shipped in a high vent. Shipping cocoa from West Africa to North Europe makes the cargo suffer thermal shock. What happens is most of the cocoa was harvested towards autumn. Temperature in West Africa will be around 28 degrees. As the container is shipped on a vessel and it approaches the Bay of Biscay, there's a sudden change in the temperature. Moisture inside the container starts condensing. Water droplets start forming. A high vent prevents all of this, for it allows the hot air to migrate outside the container and it draws in ambient air, preventing condensation damage. We now talk about, sh uh, about shipping companies that have invested in containerization. The top five shipping companies would be as follows. The first is AP Mersk who have around 545 ships, total capacity of about 2,045,000. Next is Mediterranean Shipping Company, having about 414 ships with a capacity of about 1.6 million TEU capacity. Third on the list will be CMA and CGM with 384 ships, about 1.1 million TEU capacity followed by American President Lines, who have about 147 ships with a capacity of 589,000 TEUs. Evergreen have more ships, but less carrying capacity. They rank at 152 ships, which could take about 555,000 TEUs. Other container companies are Hapacloid, Costco, CSAV, Hanjing, China Shipping Container Lines, NYK, Mitsui OSK Lines, OOCL, Hamburg Sud, Zim, K-Line, Yangmin, Hyundai, Pacific International Lines, and UASC. Economies of scale have, dict have dictated an upward trend in size of container ships in order to reduce costs. The Suez Max standard, which is the largest ship in theory, 
of passing through the Suez Canal can carry around 14,000 TEUs. Such a ship would displace about 137,000 tons, metric tons of dead weight. It would be about 400 meters long and about 50 meters wide. Its draft will be about 15 meters. And the speed will be about 25 to 26 knots. Beyond the Suez Max could lie the Malacca Max for the Straits of Malacca, a ship of about 18,000 TEUs. This would probably displace about 300,000 tons dead weight. It would probably be about 470 meters long, about 60 meters wide, and 16 meters of draft. And again, the speed will range between 25 and 26 knots. Most likely, anything larger than the, Mal than the Malacca Max would mean a major restructure re of world container trade routes. Although the speeds we mention are between 25 and 26 knots, perhaps it's important to point out that in the current economic climate, the container ships are sailing at a much slower pace to try to save on fuel costs and thus reduce the freight rates. Economies of scale also allow double stacking of containers on rail and empty containers to be stowed then high. The three biggest container ships, the biggest container ship currently in the world is the Emma Maersk, which was built in 2006, and that has a that could take about five about 15,200 TEUs, followed by the MSC Danet, which was built in 2009, and has a ship MSC Beatrice, again built in 2009. And they can each carry 14,000 TEUs. Ports. In 2009, the most popular ports were mainly based in Southeast Asia. The first most popular port was the port of Singapore, followed by Shanghai, by Hong Kong, by Shenzhen, by Busan, by Guangzhou, by Dubai, by Ningbo, Qingdao, and um, Rotterdam. Total number of TEUs that these ports handled during 2009 was approximately 154 million or close to 155 million. In 2002, by I mean contrast, ports were still busy. However, total throughput of containers was just over 92 million. Again, first on the first uh, dominant ports on the list are all Southeast Asian ports such as Hong Kong, Singapore, Busan, Shanghai, Kaohsiung, Shenzhen. However, we see a few European ports coming in, such as Rotterdam, Hamburg, and Antwerp. Problems carriers face. Carriers try to balance the supply of containers with their demand. However, a nation whose imports of cargoes and containers exceed the demand for exports ends up in a surplus of empty containers. Carriers are consequently faced with two problems. The first, competing for backhaul traffic, that is, freight at low rates offered to shippers to obtain some income on the outward leg of the container. Second, empty positioning of containers to exporting countries, mainly Southeast Asia. Both scenarios erode profits made on the main or headhaul leg of the voyage and have a negative impact on the westbound freight. Long-standing containers at ports present carrier with container storage and additional costs in ground rent payable to port authorities 
At times, consignees run out of warehouse space or might not have the amount of funds needed to pay duties and clear their goods. Therefore, their containers end up as long-standing at the ports. Admittedly, the carrier charges the marriage or detention as compensation. However, at times, the carrier has to waive costs and offer the consignee large discounts to retrieve their containers and return them to the flow. Long-standing containers also force carriers to incur unnecessary costs by leasing containers to make up for the shortfall. Special equipment such as high-ventilated containers are only needed on one leg of a journey over five months of a, of a year, coinciding with the cocoa season. Carriers face problems in trying to keep containers in a closed flow between North Europe and West Africa. One main challenge is persuading shippers in North Europe to ship cargo, excluding loose chemicals and high-ventilated containers to West Africa. It is for this reason that high-vent containers are not common in the carrier's fleet. Ever wondered what happens when a container is uh, damaged? Most are repaired. However, some containers, nearing the end of their use, are sold as second-hand and converted into sheds, offices, and even shops. How convenient is it for tracking of um, containers? Very convenient. Carriers offer tracking facilities on the website. Simply logging in and entering the container number will produce the exact position of the container. Therefore, one can track and find out the exact moves of the container, starting from when it was gated out empty from the carrier's container yard to the supplier for loading, to the date it was gated in by the consignee at destination after taking delivery of the cargo. The website also shows loading and discharging dates and names of vessels at ports of departure and arrival. Trying facilities are also available via email and perhaps also via SMS text. Could the near future see a microchip inserted in each container to provide tracking facilities and replace traditional methods of recording and data inputting container moves? I think so. Finito.